How many of you have had or are going through any kind of difficult circumstances at all? And a lot of us raised our hand. Many times when we do that, we ask ourselves some honest questions. We may not say it out loud, but certainly it runs through our mind. And when it runs through our mind, God has already heard it anyhow. And so I'm okay with the fact that I've asked him, why this, why now, why me? There are some folks in any given context who have gone through more difficulty in a short period of time than many will go through in a lifetime. And if they're honest, they ask those questions. Why this? Why now? Why us? Why them? Uh, certainly many have asked. We find ourselves going through all kinds of circumstances in life, from natural disasters to man-made disasters, to parents who are aging and going through that process where we wonder how long it will last and what eventual steps are going to take place as they eventually go into the presence of God. Cancer, family breakup, car accidents, all that and more change our lives. Most of us, if not all of us, ask things like, why does it happen, what do we do, and where is God in all of this? And what I tried to do last Sunday morning out of the platform of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and 3 is begin to unpack some of that and begin to answer some of those questions. The Apostle Paul, Timothy, and Silas are writing to people who are going through extremely difficult times. Many of them, if not most of them, simply because they committed their lives to Christ. I gave you a stat last Sunday morning that more people died because of their faith in Christ during the 20th century than in the first 19 centuries combined. And a lot of people in the context of the New Testament are going through incredible pressure and unbelievable difficulty simply because they've committed their lives to Christ. And many of them ask Paul, what do we do? Why? How do we stand solid? What are we to learn? And so often, Paul begins to address those issues in, in Romans and Ephesians and Philippians and James as well. The leader of the New Testament church begins to answer some of those questions. Last Sunday morning, I talked to you about some of the reasons that we go through that. And this morning, I want to pick up there and just give you some highlights. If you weren't here last Sunday morning, I just want to fill in a couple of the blanks. Again, we used 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and 3 as a foundation as Paul is writing to people who are going through incredibly difficult times. Who, if not verbalize some of those questions, certainly have them in their mind. And so I began talking about why do bad things happen and why do we go through difficulty and pain and what can we learn from it? What does God want to teach us? Where is he in the middle of it? And what do we do as we're going through it? I gave you a few reasons last Sunday morning. One is it just that life happens. Scripture says in Matthew 5, no one is shielded from the difficulties of life. It rains on the just and the unjust. Some of the things happen because we've really made some dumb choices or done some things that didn't make sense. One of my favorite commercials, and I love the fact that somebody invented DVR or whatever it is that you can bypass commercials. But then every once in a while, you land on one like this, and I thought, I, I've probably done or would do some of these things. Humans, we mean well, but we're imperfect creatures living in a beautifully imperfect world. Sometimes the little things get us, and other times, the not so little. 
It's amazing we've made it this My far. My favorite. Maybe it's because when one of us messes up, someone else comes along to help out. I've done that. At Liberty Mutual Insurance, we get that it's tough out there. If I golfed, I would do that. And our job is to make it less tough. That's the thing about humans. When things are at their worst, we're at our best. My brother and I did one of those. See how at Liberty... Yeah, we've done that too. Yeah. We had a ladder on a big truck, and Dad said put the truck away in the garage never knowing that the ladder was chained down to the top of the racks of the truck. And as we pulled it into the garage, it literally split that ladder like this and just, sh and that was the old days when it was wood, <laughs> just took every rung all the way down. A lot of us have done things like that, and we say to ourselves, I don't get why me, why this, why now? It, because you probably did something that was stupid. I know I've done that. A lot of things happen because Life is really tough and extremely unpredictable. Never dreaming last Sunday morning that when I talked to you about the storms of life that more Oklahoma would have gone through what it did. When you look at some of those pictures, you're absolutely overwhelmed at the devastation and the destruction. An entire city block's gone. Life happens. And sometimes it hits in unexpected ways. Sometimes in ways we would have never expected. In your sermon notes or bulletin somewhere, I think he's even a place to respond to those who have gone through the tragedy. Kama Services and the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is the relief arm of the CNMA, is reaching out to help churches who have gone through this kind of devastation. Believe it or not, as I read the announcement from the headquarters Paul Hallworth, which is Paul, who used to be our worship pastor's dad, is one of the ones that is overseeing the ministry there and trying to help people who have gone through those kinds of times. I can't even imagine waking up this morning and my entire city block is gone. Not a church to attend in an entire city area. Sometimes happens, as I said last Sunday morning, in our physical health. doesn't last forever. We wish it would. But for many people who have gone through those kinds of circumstances where the body begins to deteriorate and things happen, they recognize that it wasn't meant to last forever and in some cases happens way too early and way unexpected. Over the last few weeks and few months, you've heard me pray for Pastor Panther from the First United Methodist Church. And we've been continuing to pray for Dave. I love the man. He's a wonderful man of God. And yesterday or over the weekend at some point, they sent a letter around to their church family that started out with, with great sadness. We hate to tell you that Dave is going into hospice care. And when I read that and recognized that he's younger than I and incredibly faithful and wonderfully powerful, a, a man of God and a huge influence on this community and town, I was reminded again that many families if not many of our church families have had sickness and illness hit and many times when we didn't expect it and that church certainly over the next few weeks and days is going to go through some questions of their own as to what do we do so let's pray for them father i lift up 
obviously church members and families all over more Oklahoma and Oklahoma City area who this morning are giving praise and adoration to a God of the universe who controls the elements who've seen so much of their lives destroyed and taken away and I lift up every church family member everyone who knows Jesus that father they will be strength and light in the midst of a really difficult time and unusual circumstances for first Methodist this morning is many have heard and will hear and go to church this morning and hear this news about Dave I just pray oh God in the name of Jesus that you'll be with he and Jonah I trust that father they feel your grace and their family feels your amazing love and that you will direct this church and their ministries and the people who are serving in really phenomenal ways as they wait on you got to believe they have the same questions that we have here this morning and I trust that they find that, as Paul did, your grace is sufficient in the midst of our questions and that you will walk with us even through the valley of the shadow of death. So walk with them, we pray. May your glory and grace abound in really amazing ways as they wait on you and as Dave's family waits on you as well. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Third thing we said to you last Sunday morning is that we live in an evil world. And we face an evil enemy named Satan who is out to destroy. Who is no respecter of age and no respecter of people. God gives us a very clear warning in Deuteronomy chapter 30, as I said to you last Sunday morning, that I have set before you death and life, blessings and cursing, and his passion pours out on the pages of Deuteronomy when he says, I beg you, choose life. Choose life. Sadly, many refuse God's offer and choose evil, and we've certainly seen the destructive forces of that in our world and around us every single day. Sometimes the storms of life come as an opportunity to strengthen our roots and deepen our faith. Last Sunday morning, I looked at a few people in both services, and I said, if I were really honest, number two and four are the ones that I wouldn't volunteer for, are the ones that sometimes are the most difficult to deal with. The fact that our bodies age and begin to deteriorate, in many cases with Dave, weaken way too early. This one here specifically that says that the storms of life come sometimes to strengthen our roots and deepen our faith is not always easy to understand. James says, I want you to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you go through various trials of many kinds. And if we're really honest, it's hard to consider it pure joy. He says, I know that you know this, but I want to remind you that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, the ability to stand firm in the midst of it all, and let perseverance finish its work so that when you're mature and complete, you won't lack anything. In Romans 5, he said, we glory in our sufferings because we know that our sufferings produce perseverance, produce perseverance, character, and character hope, and that hope never will put us to shame. And Peter, he says, in all of this, greatly rejoice, for now a little while you'll suffer grief of various trials. I want you to know that it proves the genuineness of your faith, which is much more valuable than gold. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul will write, we always thank God for you, and rightfully so, because your faith is growing more and more and more. And the love that you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith, even in the midst of persecution and trials. I know you know this, but it's not if the storms of life come, it is when. And many times they come to deepen our roots and strengthen our faith. 
so that when they come, it's easier to stay standing and to stand firm. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says that Paul was given a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, it says. We're not sure what it is. We're not even sure why. Three times, and it probably wasn't just three times, one right after the other. It was a constant awareness of what it was. And Paul said, God, I just want you to take it away. Father, will you please take it away? Lord, will you please take it away? And then God speaks as loud as he could up to the apostle Paul. I just want you to know, in the middle of your weakness, I will be your sufficiency. Right in the middle of your despair and your brokenness, I will be your strength. Which essentially God says, I want you just to count on me. Even in the middle of the pain, even in the middle of the trial. Number five, sometimes they come to point others to the one and only hope in this world. Sometimes they come to point others to the one and only hope in this world. Or you may want to add in your sermon notes to bring someone to him. Through all of my years of ministry, I've found that people usually come to faith in Christ on one or two levels. They know enough they want to or they heard enough they have to. And to be honest with you, in all of my experiences, the majority of them come when they heard enough they have to. When they recognize that God is their only hope. And he is the one that they need to turn to in the middle of all of this uncertainty and in the middle of that crisis. There are a lot of people who learn about Christ, who learn about God, who recognize that he is the one and only way and they come to faith in him. They've heard a Sunday school class or a teacher along the way. They've sat in a service. They've listened to the radio. They've watched a television program, and they recognize that that's what they need. And so they turn their lives over to Jesus. But there are the some that, for whatever reason, come to the bottom of their life, come to the end of their rope, come to the most difficult points of their lives, and they realize that there is nothing else they can hold on to, and that's when God speaks the loudest in the middle of that. And hopefully what happens is that those of us who know Christ have the opportunity in the middle of that to point to the one and only hope in this world, and that is to Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul said, We thank God always for, your, for you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God our Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in Jesus. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God that he chose you because our gospel came to you not simply with words. You knew how we lived among you. You became imitators of us. You welcomed the message in the middle of severe suffering with joy by the Holy Spirit. You became a model for all the believers all over the area. In verse 7 of chapter 3, he said, In all of our distress and all of our persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Philippians chapter 1, he said, I want you to understand that what's happened to me has served as an advance of the gospel. As a result of what I'm doing, as a result of being in chains, it has become clear throughout the entire palace guard and everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. And they dare to even more proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry and others out of, not out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, supposing they can stir up trouble while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether false motives are true, Christ is preached. And because of that, I rejoice. Jesus spent three years with his disciples in more circumstances than anyone could have imagined. 
I gotta believe that when Peter and John and James and some of the other ones left their fishing nets to follow Jesus by simply listening to the command, follow me, they had no idea what they were in for. One day in John chapter 9, they came across a man who was born blind. The first question out of their mind is, who sinned? Because so often we associate sin with sickness or illness and not always true at all. And Jesus said, neither one of them. But this happened so that the works of God could be displayed in him. In 1 Peter, Peter says, In all of this we greatly rejoice that now for a little while you have to suffer grief of all kinds. I want you to know that it's proved the genuineness of your faith. He said in chapter 4, I don't want you to be surprised by the fiery ordeal that goes through you and around you. says something strange. I want you to know that you have the opportunity to participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you can be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. In 2 Corinthians, Paul said, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Therefore, in light of what you have learned, in light of what you have been taught, in light of what you have seen God do in your life when you go through those difficulties, comfort one another with the comfort that you've received. I spent over half of my ministry life dealing with sin, sickness, and sadness. And I could tell you story after story after story of God revealing himself in the middle of some of the darkest hours anybody could ever walk through. Since April the 8th, I've been following a story. It's about an MAF pilot named Jerry Krause. Jerry disappeared on April the 7th. Today's May the 23rd. They still have no idea where he's at. His MAF plane took off in the coast of Mali or Guinea and Ghana, and to this day, they have no idea where he's at. Last night, I listened to his family on a video clip, and their strength and their courage was phenomenal. And their biggest desire was that people would see Jesus in the middle of their uncertainty. They don't know whether the plane was captured. They don't know whether it went down. They don't know what happened. And every few days they've been writing about what God has revealed and what God has taught them and how God has manifested himself right in the middle of their uncertainty and pain. And their biggest desire was that people would find the Jesus that they were holding on to in the middle of their uncertainty. Stunned by listening to the wife and the two children. Colleen Swarmer, her and Billy have been here for a long time. Incredibly faithful workers. They've served ever since I've been here and probably before that. Her dad's been in VA hospital for the last couple of months and have no idea why and what's going to happen. Went from one thing to the next, some simple virus, I believe, till now has been in a coma for a specific period of time. A week ago, she was in his room reading scripture and praying. In the middle of that quiet moment, in walked a custodian who said, do you mind if I continue to clean the room while you're there? And she said, no. She continued to read the scripture, and at the end, before he walked out the door, he said, do you have a moment that I could tell you something? She said, certainly. He said, I'm a brand new Christian. I've been really struggling with my faith. A lot of people have been trying to pull me back into my own world, and my own old world, and... and Satan's been after me nonstop. 
Listening to you for these few moments and listening to you read the scripture reminded me of what it is I walked away from and what it is that I found in Christ. I just had to thank you. Because of what I've seen tonight, I'm going to stay faithful on the road. Colleen said I was stunned. I looked at Dad who had no idea what was going on because he couldn't hear a word. I said, Dad, if this is why you're here, I'm glad. Many times you have the opportunity to lead people to Christ. To share with them in the middle of your uncertainty, in the middle of your devastation, that there is a hope and there is a heaven and there is a God who loves us and you have the opportunity like no one else could or no one else may to point them to Jesus. So my encouragement, be faithful in that. Take advantage of the opportunity. Share with them what you have learned, what you have found. Not pat verses or spiritual platitudes that really don't mean anything or never come from the heart, but just share with them what you've learned about Christ. Where you found Jesus faithful, what you have learned from him and what he has taught you. You will be astounded at the opportunities God will give you if you take advantage of them. Number six, sometimes difficulties come and when they come it makes us even more eager for heaven. Near the end of the summer, the beginning of next year, I will have done 200 weddings. Somewhere in the middle of all of that, I've done four to 500 funerals. And almost every time I do, especially the longer I'm in a given situation now here of 18 years, I have recognized that doing the funeral of somebody in a church family has a, somewhat of a double-edged sword that goes with it. You now have the opportunity to do a funeral of somebody that you really love, somebody that you know well. I've done dozens and dozens of funerals for people I don't even know. But it's the opportunity when you've been here for a long time to do a funeral of someone you have come to love and you feel like you know the family and you can share from that vantage point. But there's another side of that. Sometimes you're doing a funeral for somebody you really love. And it's incredibly painful. And every time I do, I come to this section of Scripture in Revelation 21 that is written in your sermon notes. Where John has the opportunity to look down through time and he said, I'm telling you, I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming someday. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard the loud voice from the throne saying, look, God is now making his dwelling place among people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And this is now my favorite part that time he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes there'll be no more death no more mourning no more crying no more pain the one thing that makes christianity different from every other religion on the planet is our certainty of heaven and knowing that because we know christ is savior we will leave this world and walk directly into the presence of almighty god with the open arms of jesus saying well done come home Enjoy all this splendor that I prepared for you. 
I go now and prepare a place for you, and when I go, I'll come back and get you and receive you unto myself, and we'll dwell there forever, he said in John 14. Thomas said, how do we know how to get there? What is the way? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God but through me. But in the middle of that declaration of him being the only way, he gives us an amazing promise, a promise of heaven that nothing in this earth can rob or steal away. And sometimes difficulty and pain are reminders of what God has in the future. And sometimes they make us even more eager for that day. In my last church, I had a neighbor who died of cancer. I loved Tom. Taught my girl how to fish, taught her how to enjoy leeks. I didn't know anybody could enjoy leeks. I remember coming home one day and she reeked from leeks. I said, honey, where on earth have you been? Tom taught me. He loved them. I thought you would too. I didn't. Tom died of cancer. And as I walked with him, because his wife had to finally get back to work and went up and took care of him every day, he said, Denny, you have no idea how, look for, how much I'm looking forward to heaven. I get to see Jesus face to face. I don't like what I'm going through. I don't like to leave Carol. I don't like to leave Tim. But, oh, I'm so looking forward to heaven. Sometimes the difficulties of life make us a little more anxious for what God has in store for us. So where's Jesus in the middle of all of that? My standard answer has been the same place he was when his son was dying on the cross. The same place he was when his son was dying on the cross. With his arms outstretched, inviting us into his presence and walking with us right in the middle of it. There's a powerful story in John chapter 11. I certainly won't read it this morning, but I encourage you to do that. It's when one of the best friends of Jesus named Lazarus died and passed away. His disciples encouraged him to get there as soon as possible before he died. Jesus lingered, continued to minister to other people. Lazarus passed away, and as he got to that scene, Mary and Martha had very similar questions to some of the ones that I started with at the beginning. Lord, if you had been here, it wouldn't have happened. Where were you? Why did you delay? I've got to believe it, even though Scripture gives us just one or two sentences. <clears throat> there was a lot more questions than that. One of the things that stood out to me as a very new Christian in the middle of that passage has become known for many of us as the shortest verse in all of the Scripture. It's when Jesus walks to the tomb of Lazarus, who had now been dead four days, and it says this, Jesus wept. I love that. I love to know that I've got a Lord who is right there in the middle of my storm, who at times is weeping with me, who at times is weeping with you, who really honestly does understand our pain. Paul says in Hebrews, we don't have a God who is so disassociated with our pain that he doesn't understand. Well, then why hasn't he taken care of it? Why hasn't he healed it? I get that. I understand that. I just want you to know as I stand in this pulpit this morning, as I declare the truth of God's word, he knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. And just like he did with Mary and Martha, he feels your pain. He understands your circumstances. And i got to believe as much as he loves them, he loves us. And at times he weeps with us and understands our pain. So what do I do in the midst of it all? I've got six things. <laughs> I could have given you 12. Hold on to him and add this phrase, and his promises. 
in the middle of all of that uncertainty, in the middle of all of that pain, in the middle of all of those circumstances, in the middle of all of that devastation, my encouragement is to hold on to him and his promises. In Psalm 23, I'll walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. In Hebrews 13, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never, ever, ever doubt in the dark what you know is true in the light. Never doubt in the dark what you know is true in the light and that God will never leave us or forsake us. And even though I may not see him or feel him or understand what I'm going through, I know, I know, I know, because the word of God that's sure and solid and true and never fails, he is with me and he understands. And he's right beside me. Seek his strength. Seek his strength. Don't walk through it alone. Pull from him. Gain from him. Number three, cry out to him. Psalm 55, every evening, morning and noon, I cry out in my distress. I heard people say, well, take it to the altar and leave it there. Don't bother God with it. He's aware of it. <laughs> I see David over and over again saying, God, I don't understand. I don't like it. I don't get it. I cry out to you morning, day and night. I want you to understand what I'm going through. Psalm 57, I cry out to the God most high. Psalm 72, he will deliver the one, the needy one who cries out, the afflicted who have no one to help. Number four, pray for others who are dealing with it as well. As we pray for Dave and his family, as we pray for others, as you pray for the people in Oklahoma. And there are times, number five, that you need to let others pray for you. You need to let others pray for you. Paul, in this particular passage that I use as the foundation for the message, prays for them. Now may God our Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ clear the way for us to come. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as he has in ours. May he strengthen your heart so that you may be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with his holy ones, which leads to number six, look forward to heaven. Look forward to heaven that day when he will wipe away every tear from our eye Will there be no more death, no more crying, no more pain. I'm often asked, why doesn't God do something about evil and suffering? Jesus will finish the process when he returns. On the cross of Calvary, he did something amazing about evil. You see, for without the cross, our sins aren't paid for, death is not defeated, and the door of heaven is not open, and evil wins. But in 2 Peter chapter 3, he tells us, I just want you to know, I'm being patient. So that those yet who do not know will come and find me. But there will come a day. God very clearly says that I will deal with evil, and I will eliminate it, and I will destroy it forever. But I'm holding off. I'm patient. And maybe for some in the audience this morning, it's for you. Because if you destroyed evil and did away with it completely and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you have no hope. But because of Christ, you have everything if you'll turn your life over to him. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do the ones that we love die early? Why do young men and women who just want to serve their country come home with a flag draped across their coffin? If I knew all the answers to those questions, I wouldn't be standing here this morning. I'd be on a tour in the circuit with a briefcase and a book. 
But I am here to tell you that God says, I will never, ever leave you. I will be by your side. I'll walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. Hold on to me. Find everything you need in me and from me. And I'll be there for you. Last Sunday morning, I shared with you that we wanted to do something a little bit different as we ended this morning. And just for the next few moments, I'm getting nervous. Our services are scripted for 65 minutes. What I'd love for you to do is if you're going through difficulty or you're dealing with just some unusual circumstances and you'd love to have somebody pray for you, I want to practice this morning what's called the priesthood of believers. And that is that we can pray for one another. Scriptures tell us that we don't need an intermediary. We have one, the Father, so come to him. But we also have the opportunity for each other and to pray for one another. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different, but I'd love if you'd be willing to have the courage to do that. If you're going through some difficult circumstances or some tough times, and if you can, could you stand where you are or at least raise your hand? And then what I'm going to do is ask the people around you. You may not know them. That's fine. We're part of the family of God. You may not have a clue who they are. You may have never prayed out loud in your life in a public setting. But I'd love us just to pray for one another. And then when I hear that quieting down a little bit or at a given time, I'll close us in prayer. So if you need prayer this morning for whatever circumstance you're facing, if you just stand where you are or at least raise your hand if you can't stand. Right now, right now. Thank you. Anybody else? You going through a tough time? Somebody has to be. Anybody else? Thank you. Whatever the circumstance is, I want somebody in near them this morning just to walk toward them. Right now. Get up, move toward them. Lay your hands on them or lay your hands on somebody else near them. And I want you to pray for them. For the family of God. You may not have any idea who this person is, but what an opportunity. Pray for each other. Because it's not if you're going through the storms, it's when. And a week from now or a year from now, somebody may need to pray for you. So pray for them now. Go ahead, right where you're at. Lord, you hear these prayers. You know our hearts. You know these needs so privileged and so delighted that we can do it together and we can share together and we can pray for one another and encourage each other so as you hear these prayers this morning as you know these needs and these circumstances I pray oh God by the power of the majesty your majesty on high that you will meet these needs and intervene in really powerful ways in the lives of these your children who are seeking your face and your help this morning thank you for this place and for this church family that I love and adore. Continue to bless us as we journey with you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for doing that this morning. Next Sunday morning we have the privilege of hearing from one of our partner missionaries from Georgia, from a different country in another area that would again love to have you praying for them as they go through some really tough times. We trust you have a great Memorial Day weekend, that God blesses you, and that you will continue to remember not only to pray for each other, but to pray for our nation and men and women who are serving 
and others who have given their all so that we can enjoy the sacrifices so richly that we, we enjoy today. God bless you. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. I want to get to the door.